Okay, hello again, everybody. Welcome back. Another uh, awesome uh, sci-fi review for you guys. Um, today is Halloween. Happy Halloween. I don't know if Halloween is going to be happening for a lot of people. Do you expect, uh, Lily, do you expect anybody to do Halloween where you're at? What's the what's the uh, feeling? I know there's a lot of kids down here around this way, um, but I don't know if they're going to be coming here. I don't, I know that, I don't know if where I'm at in Maine is doing trick-or-treating, but I know just over the border in New Hampshire, they're doing like what it's called trunk or treat for some places where you just go mm. into a parking lot, people have the trunks open. I've been seeing some really inventive, cute, creative ways for people mm. to still give candy to kids. There was one guy, he made this mechanism attached to his mailbox mm. to his front house and he like put candy in it. And like, I think you hit a bell or some something like that but he puts candy in it and then it flies down mm. and to the kids. And it's like, it's really cute. It's really exciting. That's cool. Yeah. And I thought that was really inventive and very cute. And, um, but no, I don't, I don't really expect too many, honestly. Um, I did get a, a shirt. Oh, one moment. Yeah. Oh. oh yeah, of course you can come in. Come here, puppy. <laughs> it's okay, Ellie. We still want you. <laughs> Good duck. Sorry, but I, I got oh, this okay. shirt. Yeah, it's got the skeleton, skeleton shirt because I never really dressed up for Halloween. Um, as okay. A kid, so this is this is my contribution because <laughs> I know other people were probably really disappointed. There's no parties or anything. Yeah, this this feels like a year where it's it's hard to imagine it's going to be as as big as it usually is. The parties, the 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 people, the kids. Exactly. You know, um, it's unfortunate, but you know, that's life. It's 2020 for you, right? What, what I thought would be a cute idea is like, yeah, I mean, you get maybe you have some kids in the house and they're disappointed. Still dress them up, still take pictures, still have fun in your own house. Make it almost like an Easter egg hunt. You know what yeah. I mean? Yeah. Like, I feel like that would be really cute. Like, you know, just putting candy all over the place. Yeah, I mean, it's not the same, but at least you can, like, enjoy it a little bit with your kids and make it creative. Like, if you have a yard or something like that, hide some candy around. Let's go do some trick-or-treating in the backyard or something. Um, but, yeah, I always thought that would be kind of a cute idea. Yeah, I like that idea because then you're, you're still able to, like, give out candy, but then it, it takes away sort of the the commuter spread kind of danger yeah. of like just just randomly putting your hand in some bag of candy that a bunch and, of people have yeah know. and hoping that it's sanitized um but yeah um that'd be that'd be cute at least then like at least your kids can have like some fun on that day and it doesn't and like it doesn't take away from the fact that you know trigger is supposed to be kind of like a community effort and like you mingle with your neighbors and stuff like that but unfortunately time sucks <laughs> yeah i suspect that this will be like like i usually hang out with my girlfriend and then her neighborhood there's a lot of people that come and so i feel like this is going to be the one year where we're just going to turn the lights off and not just watch a movie and not give out candy yeah. which it sucks but you know again it's it is what it is yeah um so yeah and speaking of things that that suck uh we got some bad news today um what's it yeah, I, I'm totally blanking. What was his name again? Uh, who passed away? Sean Connery. Yeah, so Sean Connery passed away. Um, 90, 90, what was it, 91 years old or 90 years old? I think it was 90. 90, yeah. Um, and yeah, I mean, this, you know, he's one of the most iconic actors ever, pretty much. 
uh, he was James Bond in some of the best Bond films. Um, I was thinking of like other films that he's been in that I really liked. Uh, there was this great film of him and Michael Caine. It was like uh, it was called um, "The Men Who Would Be King." Mm-hmm. Um, I've heard of that. You know, the un- the Untouchables. He's been in a lot of great films, and you know, it's just everyone's everyone has a time where they're gonna go, and for him, it was his time. But he had a great career in film. He did, and you know, I get it. Like he hadn't been in like I feel like he hadn't been in films in like twenty years or something like that. I feel like it's been a while since he had been in something. Like he kind of retired. I feel like at an appropriate time because if it was, if it's been twenty years since he's done a movie, that'd be seventy the last time. And it's you know it's a damn shame. You know I have I remember I have not been able to ever go back and rewatch Marnie because that movie because I think my parents had it on TV once or my mom rented it because my mom liked movies like that and it, i remember just parts of it scaring the shit out of me like yeah. that movie as a kid i did not understand what was going on <laughs> i did not understand and he frightened me in that movie yeah and then you know like he's he's james bond and he's he's fantastic mm-hmm. and then i mean subsequent later films like way later not so much <laughs> that franchise has been through a lot um but you know my favorite movie is probably him and highlander i love him Mm -hmm. in highlander it's so good it's such it's such a a weird movie for him to have been in and yeah and the untouchables of course is one of my favorite gangster Mm -hmm. movies but i i do have a soft spot for the highlander performance (laughs) as horribly miscast as it was um i do have yeah for him yeah i feel i feel like unfortunately he did some movie uh i forget what it was that was like kind of bombed and then he just basically retired but you know look he's 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 been like how long was he in films for like 50 years or something at least 50 years i I think when he was cast as um james bond he he was working as a lumberjack or something like that Like he was just yeah. a regular guy, mm-hmm. and he always kind of gave that regular guy kind of kind of every man. Out. Yeah, exactly. You know, but yeah, it makes sense. He probably would have just tried if he never never became an actor. He probably would have just been in Scotland yeah. chopping down trees. Probably yeah. worked in construction. Probably would have had his own business. Who mm-hmm. knows? Kind of like that. Um, who was that? He kind of had that Robert Shaw thing going. Mm-hmm. You know, Robert Shaw from like Jaws. Yes. That thing. Yeah. That Did you remember uh, the movie Dragonheart? From the nineties, do you remember that movie? I do. <laughs> I remember seeing that movie in theaters, and like, that was a big deal. It was a that big was deal. A big then. deal. <laughs> like, I loved that movie. I don't know why Dennis Quaid was there. But... <laughs> like, could you imagine someone understanding this bad CGI dragon movie that has he Sean Connery as the voice being like so big? <laughs> I want to rewatch it honestly because Dragonheart did come across my mind when I saw the news. Yeah, like, yeah. I've heard it's a franchise too. Like oh, I really? heard like there's like tons of Dragonheart movies actually. Well, it's a great concept. It is, and the thing is, when you're a kid, like a talking dragon that sounds like Sean Connery, that sounds oh my awesome. God. Like if I were coming <laughs> at a studio, I'd be like, um, yeah. You get the money. Yeah, you get the money, and yeah, we'll do this movie. <laughs> Yeah, you're right. It is a franchise. They a, a movie came out in 2020. Um, yeah, it's like all recent, but they're like direct to video. It's not. No, know. of course, it's to t- totally direct to like streaming, <laughs> or direct to video, and stuff like that. But yeah, 
like yeah. some other great films he did like the rock of course he was in indiana jones he's like oh, indiana uh indiana's dad yeah. mm-hmm. oh my god yeah mm-hmm. how did i forget that like i loved that was always my yeah. favorite when i was a kid that was always yeah. my favorite indiana jones movie not because of indiana jones but because of dr jones because of his dad you know i mm-hmm. and again he's almost like this is james bond and he's like a clumsy old archaeologist kind of thing yeah yeah like he had, cool. like he had a very good range and he had a very amazing career and mm-hmm. yeah he hadn't been in movies in a long time but that doesn't take away from the body of work that he was able to create it looks like the last film he did like an actual film like not a voiceover was the league of extraordinary gentlemen <laughs> that would make me probably stop too. that that movie oh my That's, god that, i that think that movie Oh yeah, absolutely. But that movie, I think that movie killed about four careers. The director quit. Um, Sean Connery quit. So did Stuart Townsend. That destroyed his career too. I mean, was it really going to be that good? <laughs> I, I don't. I didn't like him. I really didn't. I always thought he kind of just looked like this sickly British guy, and I get that. That's kind of a thing. I get it. It is. But then Queen of the Damned. Are you kidding me? Yeah. Like, I know. Yeah. Sometimes, I know it's not always the actor's fault, but I think I think Lord of the Rings was fine without him. I think it was. Oh, I think it was better. Oh, it's way better without him for sure. He was miscast there, but I think his version of um, uh, he he plays Dorian Gray in that movie. I think he's really good. I think he's very charismatic. He has this this look. I thought that he was very good there. Him and the the Mina character, the person who played Mina, I thought that they got those people right. The rest of the movie is like a disaster. It's a disaster. Did she do um, anything else after that? Like that actress? No, I think they've ruined her career too, to be honest. That movie, that movie was a graveyard. It was a graveyard of careers. Just killed like five, probably like five or six. I wonder if there was like a hit piece out on all of the actors. <laughs> I was like, we got to figure out a way to get rid of not only Sean Connery, we got to make him not want to do movies anymore. Yeah, let's 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 get like a five for Stuart Townsend, Sean Connery, that the, the director. Yeah, this this woman who, you know, she she seems fine, but you know, I don't know. Just Maybe I'll sometimes that too, because oof, I feel like Stephen Summers saw it and was like. Ooh. <laughs> <laughs> it's very Van Helsing. It feels it very Van Helsing. Very Van Helsing, and I'm pretty yeah. sure League of Extraordinary Gentlemen came out before Van Helsing because I remember seeing Van Helsing in theaters, and at the time, I'm so ashamed of this, thinking it was so cool. And upon reflection, I am so ashamed of my younger self. I am so ashamed of it. I can I can see having fun with that movie. Um, I definitely had fun with some parts of it, but it, yeah, it's ridiculous. It's a ridiculous film. So crazy. I just the, the thing that gets me is the whole Kate Beckinsale stuff. It's just so frivolous and it made her money, you know. Yeah. Now she, yeah. I think she's doing a show right now called The Widow or something. She was in a movie called The Disappointments Room that was pretty yeah. good. I liked that movie. Yeah. So yeah, rest in peace, Sean Connery. Really unfortunate, but you know he had a great career, um, and he will be remembered forever for the films that he did for sure um so yeah so another thing that we we had talked about a little bit ago was uh a new version of rebecca has been released by netflix and uh yeah you had some very strong opinions so strong that you created uh <laughs> you created like a a 20 minute video on it some really good yeah. stuff i would definitely recommend people check it out um i'll say this so i think i don't think the movie wasn't that bad 
Now, is the movie, I think if you compare it to the original, never gonna live up to it. <laughs> and that's like, that's like the immediate trap. But what I find interesting, so like, first off, the, I think the casting, I think they, they did some really interesting things with a lot of the different actors that they that they chose. Um, I mean, Lily James is like, she's literally Cinderella, right? <laughs> she was Cinderella, yes. Yeah. And she was so yeah. cute in that movie. I love yeah. that. <laughs> yeah, so it's like, you got Cinderella, you got Army Hammer, who's just this gigantic hunky guy looks like a freaking quarterback for the for the patriots or something exactly. <laughs> and uh who's the i forget the one woman she was really good uh like the Thomas. yeah she was really really good um I can definitely say i think kristen scott thomas was the only good part of this movie but i <laughs> i didn't think her character was all that smart she's just kind of there to be creepy when Judith Anderson was 10 times creepier. Cause Judith, that's the thing. Like, so like the original film is taking place in the same time period as the remake. Yeah. Judith Anderson's character is almost stuck in like this weird Victor. Like her clothing is completely different from any other character in the film. Mm -hmm. And it's almost like she's just trapped in like this weird ladies made Victorian uh, ways of propriety and rules and, um, we don't belong here. They belong here, kind of a thing. And but I do. But uh, but with that being said, I still think Kristen Scott Thomas, despite her being a, despite it being a not so intelligent character in my opinion, was still the best part of the movie. I liked the way she looked. I liked the way she carried herself. She had a, a good on-screen presence. But I am a stickler for. I I don't like I don't like classics being remade because I don't think they're usually that good. This feels like like Netflix. They do this a lot, where they just basically shoot out products. Like this is not really a Rebecca movie. It's just sort of a Netflix product. That's it's like, well, why don't we take this attractive actress and this attractive actor and create this kind of romancy, you know, globe trotting uh, thriller where you know it's from her point of view and there's all these kind of things happening and going on so yeah com like i said comparing the two it's never going to live up to the original one uh but yeah i don't know i thought i thought that the, i thought that their love story at the beginning was kind of nice actually there was actually a couple of moments i sh i didn't actually mention the moments that i did like in the movie because i literally when i filmed that last week i pressed pause and turned on the camera um <laughs> Because I was mad. Yeah. Um, I liked the scene when he let her drive the car. I thought that was actually a really cute moment. Because one of the things that is kind of against Max in the original is he is... He's a man who was out of control for so long. So now that he has a new wife who's kind, who is very submissive, he can kind of be in control again. Um, and for a man of his staff, his stature and his station, I think that's very important for him. And it was kind of nice to see this this nicer side of Max. Um, <clears throat> but with that being said, in the original, Max was always supposed to be a lot older than the new Mrs. De Winter. In this, you have more of a, you don't have that kind of power play anymore. You have a more equal partnership with there being no real age gap whatsoever. So mm -hmm. I did, I, li I liked that scene. I did like that, you know, like, yeah, you can drive my car. It's like <laughs> probably a millions of dollars by today's standards, you know, but yeah, you can drive it. <laughs> Yeah, I thought I thought that stuff was I thought that stuff worked. Um, but yeah, I think 
otherwise then it kind of got and what do you think about like the whole i don't know i, I forgot if you talked about it or not like the whole like him sleepwalking kind of i didn't actually thing. mention that i would have liked it if there had been some payoff with it there really wasn't there was no payoff there was no payoff he just does it and i'm like oh this might be an interesting element to his character well maybe she'll get him talking in his sleep and that he we see him do it once it, from her perspective and then she sees him do it again in a dream and there's no payoff with it at all Yeah, there's no payoff i think they were just trying to add like this creepy element and i don't know why he'd be i mean i guess i get why he'd be sleepwalking to his dead wife's room because oh the guilt of killing her and so he, army hammer really doesn't seem to have any guilt about killing her no he did not he did not so i don't know why he's going to her room <laughs> do what what is he doing is he just sitting there is he like putting on her clothes what's going on like, like <laughs> is, he putting on her clothes? <laughs> is mrs danvers casting a spell on him is i thought they were actually going to pull some hip new trick and be like oh rebecca's not actually dead it's like this jane Eyre thing she's living in the attic or something like that and i was really glad that they didn't because rebecca needs to be dead she needs to be dead <laughs> yeah so it was just it was it was just yeah, they made this the ending a lot more upbeat too. Yeah, um a lot more. Um because they would not have lived happily ever after. I'm sorry. Like I I love to I like to believe true love conquers all. But that's why they that's why in the original I feel like they have more of an opportunity to possibly live happily ever after because Max didn't kill her in the original. In the book he does. I believe in the book he does actually, you know, kill his wife. Um <clears throat> but in the re but in the remake or the the first adaptation with Laurence Olivier and Joan Fontaine, it was an accident. Max yeah. was thinking about it. He definitely wanted to, but he has more guilt about covering it up than actually having anything to do with her dying. And mm -hmm. that's why I feel like it's more believable that maybe they could eventually, with hopefully therapy, could um move on from this very traumatic thing that happened. Yeah. The thing I I, I really like about the original, like this watching this made me think about the original so i watched a little bit of it and then i remembered like how much i love joan fontaine who i then i realized i didn't know this but she's actually a a de havilland i yeah, didn't know that yeah her and olivia de havilland were sisters i um, didn't know that at all they were yeah and I, I mean i don't want to say unfortunately because that sounds terrible but olivia de havilland there was always this rivalry between them oh really yeah, um, more so created by the studios than them themselves. They um, were never close, but the studios were like, oh, we have Olivia de Havilland, and then we have Joan Fontaine, and Olivia de Havilland, I think, won an Oscar first, and then Joan won an Oscar, and this and that, and then people were like, oh, who's going to outlive the other? <laughs> and it's like, that's kind uh, of sick. Uh, yeah, it was just like this rivalry uh, created by Hollywood, and I don't think either of these women actually cared enough to really feed into it too much but there there was always this this back and forth thing that the hollywood studios created yeah she's a great actress um one of my favorite uh, probably my favorite film of hers is uh this movie letter from an unknown woman i was literally just going to say yeah. that that movie yeah. <laughs> right? on. he's a great french actor or was a great french actor um he's fantastic oh i had such a crush on louis jordan he was so cute that 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 movie is so amazing. It's just it's so beautiful. So sad. So I watched. Good. I was watching, and I kind of got. I got up to the point. There's like the point where they're like he's playing the piano for her. Like they go out on a date or something, and then they go to some bar, and then they stay there so late that like the band is playing just for them. And then the band leaves, and then he starts playing piano for her, and she's like looking up at him. It's like perfect. No, it's a such a it's such a sweet movie. Doesn't he get a head head injury or something like that? Doesn't he? Doesn't he not remember her at one point? 
Yeah, something like that happens. They basically she's telling the story of how they met and then they kind of fall out or something. Yeah. And you know, it's it's a bittersweet love story. Yeah. You know, well, where I'm they so don't glad get you mentioned that movie. I'm so glad. That makes me so happy. Yeah. Yeah, I love that movie. Like I I love it. I I love the the, the director too, uh, Max Ophels. Uh he did, he did some other cool work. Uh the other film of his that I really like is it's called Madam D or The Earrings of Madam D. That sounds vaguely familiar to me. Yeah. Mm-hmm. It's a very great film. Um, but yeah, so yeah, Rebecca. <laughs> yeah, Netflix, I just feel like Netflix, they do this a lot where they just spit out because they spit out so much content and it's like, bleh, bleh, bleh. and like they have basically they have a they, they have a formula. They take a certain level of uh, production value, a certain level of like solid actors, but then they kind of the story isn't there and they get like some B list directors and then they just like throw it at people. Yeah, and you know, yeah. like I know I I kind of ripped him a new asshole, but you know, like for Ben Wheatley, I'd never heard of him before. You're putting him in charge of a a remake production or a new adaptation production with these A-list actors, this amazing budget. The scenery is gorgeous, the house is beautiful, the south of yeah. England is absolutely astounding. These sets, these this house, everything. No wonder it looks no wonder why it's crap. Like this guy probably had a lot thrown at him at one time so like i do forgive him in that aspect but at the same time a little bit of blame uh, there's a little bit of blame that needs to go around there's blame that needs to go around mm-hmm. and it just everyone has a different interpretation i get it but it's just the story <laughs> it just wasn't it wasn't compelling to me the way it was yeah. with alfred hitchcock and i understand alfred hitchcock joan fontaine Lawrence olivet they're hard acts to follow um but give me something, Army. Give me something. He was just, <laughs> just so stupid. He was such a. Mm, I just you can watch the video and watch watch his video too. Like it's a thing. <laughs> yeah. Well, okay. So now we get to talk about War of the Worlds from two thousand and five, Steven Spielberg film with Tom Cruise and Dakota Fanning, um, and Tim Robbins shows up later. Uh, yeah, and this was this was like a film. Uh, I'm not sure how long he'd been trying to make this. I'm sure he'd been trying to make it for a while. Uh, but this feels like one of those films where when you think about the source material and you think about what film is capable of doing with, you know, computer effects and big budgets in the, I guess, 21st century, this feels like the right type of material to really go for it, right? make that big budget sci-fi film. And so Steven Spielberg decided to do it and the stars aligned. And um, yeah, this this film got made. Uh, so do you remember watching this uh, at the time when it came out? Um, I never saw it in theaters because I think I probably would have been like, what, it came out in 2005? Mm-hmm. Yeah, so I probably would have been about 15 when it came out. Um, I remember, I think my dad probably rented it on Netflix when you could, you know, when you still ordered the DVDs and everything like that. Because my dad loves Alien Invasion stuff. He loves it. Um, Because, like, Independence Day was a huge deal in our house. Huge. We, all of us kids watched that movie. Like, we loved it. Um, I remember watching it and kind of being bored because it wasn't Independence Day. And then I watched it again years later. I'm like, yeah, that's that's a good movie. And then upon my now rewatch i think i feel like there's certain movies you have to watch at different points in your life to appreciate different elements of them and now that i'm almost 30 it has a very different meaning for me now and mm-hmm. certain themes that i didn't equate to back then like this is still a post 9 11 film 
still very fresh in people's minds. So that definitely carried some weight to the film, especially in the realm of xenophobia, for sure. Because I feel like that's always been kind of the theme for alien invasion movies is this fear of being invaded, your jobs being taken, your children, your blah, 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 taking your women, give me the women kind of a thing. It's always that. Mm-hmm. Um, not my blood. Not my blood. <laughs> <laughs> not my blood. Um, <laughs> And uh, yeah, but so, so yeah, it definitely, um, I definitely appreciated the themes of the film a lot more now than I probably ever could have, you know, watching it growing up. Yeah, I, I, for me, I feel the same. Like at the time, there's a lot of stuff. This is definitely in sort of like a 9-11 contextualized film. I feel like this feels very much so sort of commenting on, I think, the, the greatest American fear of what terrorism means for us. It's this unseen, unknown, destructive force that can completely obliterate your life. Um, and I feel like, yeah, that's really the theme of this movie, of what, what it hits on. And then there's different characters that take on different aspects of what, how people reacted, right, to, the, to that traumatic experience. We'll get into, like, what the Robbie character, what he does. But also, the, the, the thing that really made me want to do this film is, like, there's a level of sort of panic that happens in this film that, you know, you talk about like you had to experience things before you really understood it. I felt like this is a, a, a movie to talk about in terms of like the coronavirus, mm. because when there was a moment there, like in early March, February ish, late February, where people hit the panic button. Yeah. And that's one of the things that I, when I started <laughs> watching, I think I even tweeted, this is why I didn't watch this movie again, because of the mob mentality, the panic, like, I felt I literally was feeling nauseous at points watching this movie and not because I was like not enjoying it or something. It's just that that my that my own personal little panic button was being like, eh, I'm not going to press it. I'm not pressing it kind of a thing. And I just had flashbacks of people beating old women for toilet paper, licking the front doors of businesses. My own fear every day of going into my job at a restaurant like and is it going to be me next? Like, am I capable of doing that? Am I capable of, like, just tearing toilet paper out of someone's arms? Like... Toilet paper. Toilet paper, for God's sake. Like, it's freaking toilet paper. Like, like take a hobo shower. Get over it. Like, I'm sorry. Like, it's just... It's just so... It's, it's very frightening. Because I'm sure everyone who... Maybe not. But, like, I like to think that everyone who maybe did go over that mm-hmm. edge maybe also thought maybe that wouldn't be and i don't know i don't know does it take a certain type of mentality does it take a certain type of person is it always just karens could we could any one of us turn into a karen in the right circumstances yeah and that's that's another thing i i I really think that i like bringing up this film in this context because we see characters make choices about survival right there's always like this like what is the moral landscape of that moment where you have to like do something to survive because you're you don't know what's going to happen next and basically we live like i feel like for me for sure i've never sort of in my american context experienced the moment of feeling in a complete panic where everyone disregards other human beings um i'm sure there are other countries where it's even worse but what we had in that moment when they were like, okay, yeah, we're going to do a national shutdown. People went crazy. They went crazy. They just started taking all the stuff, thinking only selfishly only about themselves, toilet paper, sanitizer, all this stuff. And they had no regard for anyone other than themselves. 
Yeah, right. and would the person behind you be doing the same thing? Like, we have to have empathy, we have to have sympathy, but that survivalist instinct within us is, no, it's my family, it's me and mine. You know what I mean? It's not you and yours, it's me and mine. And it's, I was scared for my parents. My parents are in their late 60s. Like, Hell I was yeah. scared for them. Like, what if my yeah. mom was just going to Rite Aid to get her usual pack of cigarettes and someone shoved her over because... Mm-hmm. And know, people like, just just kept walking over, and people would just stampede my mother, or you know, like 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 yeah. it, because I, I I know what I would do, but like I said, my mom, my parents are in their late sixties, and mm-hmm. it's just it's a horrifying thing to think about, um, especially since they live in a pretty populated area, and it's just yeah, I and I can't I kept thinking too, like and I. I think it's because I watched a lot of disaster movies as a kid. I always wonder, is today the day I'm going to be driving to work and there's something happens and I can't get to the right person. I can't get to my parents. Like, like there is a power plant 45 minutes away. And if that thing goes, everything goes. The state goes. Other states go. Like, And I just sometimes I'd be driving and I'd be working in the same town where that power plant was. And I'd just be thinking, is today the day? Something yeah. happens. I can't. I and I don't know what I would do. I don't know who I would try and get to first. I genuinely don't. Yeah, yeah, and yeah. That's something you just have to really experience. When we, again, like when we when we went through that panic, it it really changes the way you understand human nature. There is a just sort of animalistic way that people act when they get into that fervor, and, and when the, it hits people, you know. The scene that probably terrifies me the most in War of the Worlds is the scene when is the scene with the van when they're oh yeah his kid just give me my kid like i was literally like shaking because i remember i started remembering like that is why rachel is the most compelling character in that movie like she is the most helpless character and it and i i hate when people are just like all she does is scream what would you be doing if you were 10 years old no 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 autonomy no power over where you go not knowing if the person who's supposed to be protecting you is just going to dump you somewhere. Cause that's what the kids originally think. And that's probably what Tom Cruise's character is planning. Just dump them off. They'll be safer somewhere else except with me. And Rachel has more of a soft spot for her dad than Robbie does. It's kind of clear. She yeah. communicates with him at least. Mm-hmm. And I just, Rachel represents a lot. She represents a lot. And I, I think it's a really wonderful performance by Dakota Fanning. And I have so much sympathy for that kid because the whole, because when I watched it as like 15, I was like, God, this girl just won't shut up. 25, I was like, she's still kind of annoying, but eh, that kind of sucks. 30, I'm like, my mommy instinct is kicking in. Like you need yeah. to protect that kid. Like she's yeah. Because Because when you understand like, someone has to be responsible for people who can't, like she's defenseless. Mm-hmm. She's a defenseless person. And in this, this crazy world where people no longer, where society is gone, the veneer of society is gone. People like that are the first to get taken advantage of. And you, yeah, she just can't really protect herself. And it's not her fault that there was a freaking alien invasion and her dad's a screw up and her, her brother wants to go fight aliens. Fucking Robbie. <laughs> Fucking Robbie. <laughs> but Robbie, yeah. Robbie is important in his own way, too. Mm-hmm. As much he as is, he's a yeah. douche. He, <laughs> Robbie's like the guys that we all knew who like yeah. joined the army after 9-11. That's, that's what Robbie that's was who, representing. That's who Robbie was. I want to go exactly fight. I want to kill some aliens. I want to defend what's mine kind of thing. And I think he honestly 
would have become a Tim Robbins character if if the aliens hadn't caught a cold or some crap like that. Like Robbie would have been like Tim Robbins. Oh, we're gonna yeah. fight him. We're gonna fight him. Not my blood. Which yes. oh, that, I forgot about that. I, I, I really did forget about the the blood thing and it the was- blood. Yeah, the blood is like wow. Because uh, yeah. I feel like that's something that that in other adaptations doesn't really get brought up but in this one they they go there because that's sort of in the book the red creep stuff that's in the book mm. uh it's brutal yeah it's, it's really brutal. violent it's really violent and oh, very vulgar in a way it's just so mm, i think i probably would have gone batshit crazy too yeah that yeah yeah most people probably would uh it's it that that's yeah that's a war war is bad in and of itself but a war like that um yeah. Okay. So yeah, let's let's uh, I guess get into the plot, review the plot, just go through all the all the different scenes and talk about the things that we really like. So this film starts with uh, a voiceover from Morgan Freeman, which is really cool. Um, and there's also these really cool shots of like sort of, and this is cool foreshadowing too, right? There's like these close-ups of like DNA microbes, and then it sort of pulls back, and then it's like water on a leaf. Um, and then he's talking about, you know, th- and this is stuff like straight from the novel, basically, that human beings were being watched by these covetous aliens from Mars who wanted to take over our resources of our planet. And they've been plotting. And this is this is the what we're about to see is the war that they sort of are going to bring about on us. Um, so, yeah, that was that was cool. Uh, and yeah, you basically get all this like kind of B-roll of people in New York and people all over the place just doing their daily stuff. Um, and then we're introduced to the main character, this guy, Ray Ferrier, played by Tom Cruise. And so he works on the New York docks and he's like sort of a shipping guy, moves containers. Um, and then he has to go meet with his ex-wife who's dropping off his kids. So he's got a older son and a daughter. So it's, uh, Robbie and, uh, Rachel. And they get dropped off, but he's late. And so that's, again, where he, he's, he's the type of father that doesn't really, you know, he doesn't really. He doesn't do the parenting care. thing all that well. Um, I think he cares about his kids, but only when it's like severe. Like only when it's like the most severe thing or when it affects him. Like when Robbie steals his car. Like yep. that's when he cares because it affects him in yep. some way. So that's a really yep. nice car. Yeah, it's just a, the typical like Spielbergian father figure, absentee, doesn't really care, takes his kid for granted, you know, blah blah blah. Because <laughs> Spielberg's dad, you know, was like that. So except for um, except for Brody and Jaws, that was a pretty Brody. good dad. Mm-hmm. I think he was. I think Brody was a pretty good dad. He was a pretty good dad. Um, yeah, I would agree. I would agree. The one so. good dad in the Spielberg, fighting a shark. I guess I guess the one bad thing about Brody is that he does almost get killed, right? Yeah, he does. He and does so if off. yeah, if he if he gets eaten by that shark, that's right. It's like you know, his kids they got the they they basically they get the bagpipes and the <laughs> treatment, which, you know, when your dad's gone it's Yeah, so it still has the father yeah. element of the dad taking off to go do something like dangerous and insane. Um mm-hmm. but yeah. I I still I still I still like him more than most other dads in his yeah. in his movies. So um, one thing I liked about this movie too is that you kind of, you know, it's been 15 years since this movie came out, probably 16 years since they shot it, and you can kind of really tell the difference in the technology, right? Yeah. Um, so so Robbie has this massive iPod. I don't know. Did you ever have one of those iPods, like those old old school ones? 
mine was a hand-me-down. Um, and then when I got my first iPod Touch, like that looks that looked like the iPhone, um, they came back in style and they were like retro, and you could get like the old iPod, like the big chunky one that's like half the size of your your iPhone, but thicker than a freaking peanut butter cup. Um, yeah. That came back in style and I really wanted one. I never ended up getting one, but I did have a hand-me-down one that was silver and had the big buttons and they actually clicked mm -hmm. and stuff like that. It was kind of cool. Mm -hmm. I kind of missed the, the doing that. Yeah, the circle thing. Yeah. Yeah, that was cool. Um, so yeah, this is, again, this is 2005. So like cell phones don't have the internet pretty much. Um, and yeah, people have giant iPods and the computers are kind of slow. And people watch television, <laughs> which is very different. From, so you got to get all your news from television. So yep. and it, it's so funny that that's 15 years ago, right? And think of where we are now. So yeah, you can yeah. just stream CNN on your phone. Mm -hmm, absolutely. Um, so there, and then you know, it, I like how in the background of the scenes, they're like, there's all this stuff. Basically, they're they're laying the groundwork, right? Like on on the, they're watching television. She's flipping channels. Uh, Rachel. And like they keep talking about these lightning storms in different countries. So like mm -hmm. there's a lightning storm in the Ukraine, and they're like, "Oh, we don't know what's going on." Blah blah blah. Uh, but she's watching SpongeBob, so she didn't care about that. <laughs> oh, I would she? You know, she's ten. It's like she has priorities. Yeah, and then there's like the scene where she like she has a splinter in her hand. It's like, I thought that was so cute. Honestly, yeah, like, I loved that scene. I love that scene because. It reminded me, of, I used to get splinters a lot when I was a kid. Yeah, yeah. All the freaking time. And I just remember the worst one I ever had was in my foot. And oh, my parents God. had to hold me down. It was no. this big. This no. big. And they had to hold me down. And I saw those tweezers coming. And I was like, <laughs> And I just, I have never fought so hard in my life. And I just remember my mom saying, oh my going to get infected. So when they had that scene, I'm like, yeah, you got a tiny little fucking splinter kid. You don't know shit. Yeah, you know, yeah. I had one back in the day in my hand and it, it got so embedded. So I, did you ever try to get them out and then it breaks? <laughs> so that happened to me, right? It broke. And I was like, oh no. And it just, it, 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 it like, it created this sort of like circle of dead skin around it and then after like three weeks i finally was able to kind of rip it out uh but that was that was a bad one it was like and it's always like whenever you touch it whenever you kind of touch that area it just it hurts in a yeah, weird it, way it, like brushes against those nerves in your hands and stuff i i got hit in the side by a two by four with my by my older sister again splinters and i still have it in my side it's like this little dark spot now you can't really see it but yeah it just i think that probably came after the foot wow. thing and I was like, yeah, I'm not telling you. I'm just going to hope. I'm just going to hope that nothing bad happens. Nothing bad happens. I just, yeah, you have to, like, hold you down on your side. Like, yeah, I'm not, I'm not doing that again. My, my own survival instinct kicked in. I was like, yeah, never again. And I just left it there. And it's been there since I was probably, like, six. It's a part of you now. It's just a part of me. You know, probably, it might not even still be there. That might just be a star. It could be floating around in me. I don't know. <laughs> yeah, that's such a good, good, good thing for the writers to add. Everyone has a splinter story, right? Um, so yeah, Raven, he like he goes to sleep, then he wakes up, and she like he like told her to order food. That's the other thing too. He he is totally unprepared to even have them around. He, he has knew no. They were like he knew they were coming. <laughs> right? 
Like there's like WD forty all over the place. There's grease. There's just- he he has in his kitchen. He has a freaking like a motor of of of, a, of an engine of a car <laughs> in, in his in his like living room or dining room or something. Yeah, and- it's just <laughs> you know, it's just it's just it's totally chaotic. The beds that they're sleeping in aren't even big enough for them anymore. Like Rachel's legs hang off the side. Like yeah, this guy. Like, I remember thinking uh, when I watched this movie again, I was like, I do not. Okay. Even if I like mess up in life as a, if, and I'm a parent, I don't want to be this guy, right? Uh-huh. This guy who's divorced, doesn't really care about his kids. And is like, I don't know. It's just a level of irresponsibility. And that, cause like that has an effect on your kids. Then they resent you. And then they also kind of, they don't feel loved. I don't know. It just, it, it, you don't want to be this guy. You don't want to be this guy. You don't want to be this guy. You don't want to be this kind of parent who's just so absent to the point where he doesn't even like go shopping to get food. You know what I mean? It's just Uh, yeah. It. I think he'd be happy if he was just the cool dad, but he's not even a cool dad. Like no, no. Um, So yeah. So then. So then. You know. Yeah. Robbie took his car and did something with it. Um, and then Ray goes outside, but he sees this massive storm brewing behind their house. And so then they go in the back and him and Rachel watch like successive lightning strikes hit like right behind their house. Um, it was like six or seven times. And then the, the power goes out completely. All of the power goes out. Yeah. Even his uh, stopped, which I thought was a nice touch. Yeah. Cause then, you know, it's not like just your house. It's like everything has stopped working. So some kind of like an EMP burst. So then he goes outside, Robbie comes back, and then they have this conversation uh, and basically says, oh, yeah, my, the, the car is over there. Uh, just stopped. Just completely stopped. And then, you know, Ray says something douchey to him. He's like, yeah, if you steal my car again, I'm going to call the cops. And, then it's like, and that's the thing. Like, I think because, because Ray has that moment with Rachel where he's like, oh, don't worry. Lightning doesn't strike the same place twice. And then it has that great moment where he's like, oh, shit. And they run into the house. And, like, that's when he like the phone doesn't work the tv doesn't work his watch is stopped and that's where he starts kind of getting this you see that instinct of something's not right but i can't help myself i need to look like i need to go and see and he has that moment where robbie shows up again he's like are you okay like are you safe and then he says the douchey thing to him where it's just like okay it's like yeah he was concerned but at the same time he's like i'm still gonna be like the man in the house and be like i'm gonna call the cops on you and it's just yeah, he just shoots himself in the foot. He can't help but be a douche. It's like, dude, come on. Yeah. Yeah, anyway, so then he, he goes walking down, uh, and then he, he finds where the lightning struck, and it's basically this sort of intersection in front of a church, and then the ground starts to break beneath them, uh, and it's this really interesting, drawn-out scene, very very tense, uh, and then it's, it's almost like an earthquake kind of erupts beneath them, um, and then these... these machines emerge out of the ground into the intersection and it just just levitates out of the ground and it's it's like pretty amazing but also very it's so interesting the way that they they did this whole scene right because like the the thing emerges it's sort of like the the legs of the tripod come out they like crush a car it's flipping cars and then um people stop for a moment and then they're like, oh, my God, what happened? But nothing's happened yet. And so everyone starts looking at it again, like slowly, like I'm trying to understand what's going on. And then it starts revving up, right? You hear like, and then they just blast people with heat rays. And people are literally incinerated by this thing. It's it's such a good scene because, like, again, it's like that, oh, I can't help but look at it. You know what I mean? It's not like it's because it's 
I mean, it's mesmerizing in a way because, again, your brain is like, am I actually seeing what I'm seeing? Am I dreaming? Is everyone dreaming? Is What's going on? Like, this doesn't make any sense. What's happening? And it's not until, like, the, the horror of what's going to happen really kind of kicks in. And I think even – I think everyone in that situation probably had this gut instinct that this is not – this is not benevolent. This is this is bad. But it's kind of like that – kind of like those scenes in um, – Independence Day, when people are standing on rooftops yes. because they think that they're going to have an mm-hmm. alien experience or something, mm-hmm. and then they're like, oh, no. Yeah, it's like people in L.A., and they're literally like, hey, welcome, E.T., and then they, they get blasted. They are the first people to die. Yep. And this is kind of similar, but not in a friendly way. They're not trying to be friendly. Like, oh, hello, Martians. It's like, what is this thing that emerged out of the Earth? Yeah, exactly, and it's it's it is very horrifying. It's such a, and I love that moment right before it comes out where it kind of almost like the ground almost breathes and like, yeah. takes like this, <gasps> here I come kind of a thing. Mm-hmm. A heave. Mm-hmm. Like this big heave, like the ground is breathing and then it just pops out and it's just, yeah. That revving engine noise is never a good yeah. sign when it comes to aliens. <laughs> it's always a weapons power. <laughs> and the way that they depict what the, the, the laser ray does, the heat ray does, I mean, it, it evaporates people into dust and Tom Cruise is running through people that are getting incinerated. Oh, that's so awful. It's like having someone's ashes <laughs> thrown at you or something. It's just, it's just so violent but there's no blood and it's just it's almost worse because like someone that was a, at least if there was blood or or yeah. parts of a person that would mean that they were a person at one point you know what i mean but now it's just dust that's all, yeah, that's almost- all it, that we're breaking down every single part of your body all the molecules all the dna all of the everything to that mm-hmm. it's almost worse right like you get you're nothing exactly because this thing, because I, I don't know, I think I think human beings we have the you know there's a ritualistic burying someone, right? Yep. If you turn someone into dust, there's nothing. There's no identifying them. You'll never know. So like if you know someone, if 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 I was just like out somewhere and then I got turned to dust and my parents could never find my body, they would. Yeah, that's almost worse, right? Yeah, because burial is part of the mourning process. You know, you're putting something, you're laying something to rest, whatever that something may be. And now there's there's nothing. You're just you're just mixed in with everybody else. Yeah, yeah. That's almost something like like that's that that's really dark to me. Thinking about that, thinking about someone at the end of this film where they're like, I don't know if my brother, sister, mother, father, whoever is dead or alive or not. I'm looking for them. But you don't know. You'll never know because if they were incinerated into dust, you have no way of knowing. You could you you could be searching forever and never. And just at some point, you just break and you're like, I guess they're dead. You know? Mm-hmm. No, it's, yeah. it's really it's really horrifying. It's a really messed up way to go for sure. Yeah, and so yeah, yeah. It, this scene was really something, right? Because like he's running and then things are blowing up and there's this like kind of classic Tom Cruise moment where he's running and then like pan left. House explodes, pan right, house explodes. And a then highway he like, comes crashing through the neighborhood. Yeah, and he's like hiding behind a, a building and then he sees a tripod just rushing by. Uh, and then the next scene, he gets back home to his kids and he can't even speak. He can't even say anything. No, he's just in shock, I think. Yeah, yeah. Um, and at some point, he, he, he gets it within himself to understand, we got to leave. We have to leave now <laughs> because yeah. it's coming it's coming and no one else knows other than me. So he tells Robbie to get some food. He grabs a gun. And there was a scene before where they, 
they so they live next to some auto repair shop and the guy fixed the car got it to work so it's the only working car and so he he tells the kids get in the car and they all just get in the car and then he has this conversation short conversation with this guy it's like dude you, you get in the car now and he doesn't understand he's like get in the car or else you're going to die yeah it's a very it's the first really tense moment because the guy is just like oh what are you talking it hasn't reached them yet you know what i mean like the screams are cut off because everyone's vaporized you know like although i feel like he still would have heard buildings exploding <laughs> just me or like the sound of a mob running is pretty loud <laughs> Uh, but this is all supposed to be happening within like only a few minutes. Like I get that it's the time is kind of irrelevant and things like this because we're seeing it from Ray's point of view. So time kind of probably slowed down for him too. Um, you know, a short run to where the church was probably feels like forever when you're being chased by a tripod that's trying to vaporize you. Um, but yeah, it's a very it's a very tense moment because the guy gets very serious and he doesn't understand. And Ray's trying to save his life. That's the thing. Ray's like, yeah, I'm stealing this car, but I'm trying to save you. And it's just, I love, I love, like, because Robbie and Robbie and Ray have these like moments where they are very in sync with one another, and it has to do with survival. And when Ray just realizes he can't convince this guy, he's like, Robbie, lock the door. And Robbie's like, yeah, no freaking problem, no problem. He does, even though he doesn't understand, he, he, he understands the, the brevity and the weight of the moment. And yeah, they close the door and they take off and we see in the rear view, this is great scene too, where like he's talking, he's talking and then we see Rachel's point of view, like the camera goes in on Rachel and then she turns around and the tree goes, catches fire. And like, you basically see the tripod is coming and things are blowing up behind them. Uh, and then she turns back around and then he's like, no, Robbie, close the door. We got to go. And they drive off. And you basically, again, you get another shot of the rearview mirror and you see the guy, Manny, the auto repair guy, get incinerated. And you see a bunch of people running and it's just like, it's just this is it. Yeah. Now they know what's going on. They totally, now they understand. Things are blowing up. People are dying. And it's like, what, what, what is causing this, right? That's the other thing too. What could cause this level of destruction? Um, and we get this line, someone says, oh, is this the terrorists? Um, yeah, Rachel says, is it the terrorists? And like, I don't know if anybody actually answers her because nobody knows really, um, except Ray's got a pretty good feeling that this is not normal. Whatever this is, it's not right. And he's trying to explain it. That's the thing. Mm -hmm. But I like yes. the way that his, his dialogue is portrayed and the fact that he doesn't know how to explain it. He just knows that yes. it's something different. And that's it. Yeah, at some point, some point, like, yeah, Rachel's panicking. Makes sense. Rachel's panicking. And then we get this great shot of like, it's like 360 sort of, uh, this is, this is like, this is like the point where they really started to perfect the, the technique of, you'll see it a lot now, basically the way that you would do like a, like something, a, a an edit that makes something look like it's one take, but it's actually multiple shots strung yeah, together with kinda, editing yeah they kind of do that with ray <laughs> running where he when i feel like it's usually when he enters a building and the camera turns really quickly and then they can start another shot again but it looks like it's one consecutive take um the editing for that has come like miles and it's really good in this movie it is because they do yep. that a lot in that that you know circling of the car and seeing like all the other cars broken down and you're getting all of this information at you at mm -hmm. one time with the mm -hmm. added dialogue as well. It kind of um, um, 
disorients you a little bit, but it kind of it makes sense because the characters are just as disoriented. So yeah. you're kind of you're with them along on that journey. Mm -hmm. Yeah, and you're getting a lot of information, and I really like the shot a lot. I think it's really beautiful because yeah, it's like outside the car to to like one point of view to another point of view to like inside the car and then in the front of the car. Uh, it's a really beautiful shot. And yeah, Ray, he's sort of later, sort of, Robbie says something else kind of stupid. He's like, oh, like, like, are they from Europe? Europe? He's like, no, Robbie, not, <laughs> not like Europe, Europe Robbie. <laughs> I thought that was funny. And, but yeah, then he sort of starts explaining, he's like, but yeah, like you said, he can't really put it into words, but he's like, yeah, something, it came out of the ground, but then maybe the lightning, maybe something from the lightning was, was put into the machine. Mm -hmm. But he, he doesn't totally understand. But he doesn't, and he even knows like what he's saying could sound insane, but all he knows is what he saw. That's all yeah. he's relating is what he saw. Yeah. And, um, I like the fact that we're getting this from just like an average Joe point of view. It's not like the scientists in a room or anything like that. We're getting it from like, and the same goes for the perspective of the tripods. Like we, we only see it from like the ground. You know what I mean? Yes. Which mm -hmm. I really liked. Yeah, so we don't know like where their base of operation is or like wherever they're sending all these Martians, right? Yeah. To invade. Um, so I wanted to, this scene in particular, I want to talk about sort of the, the ethics of crisis moments. So this is like the perfect thing to talk about. So like he steals this guy's car, right? Whoever it is, whoever's car it is. Is this, was that an ethical thing to do? No, not at all. I don't think it was an ethical thing to do. But again, like we were talking about before, what would we do? If we had a 10 year old and your other kid and, you know, like, and you're just panicking like everybody else and you know that the one thing to get you out is somebody else's opportunity to get out. Is it the appropriate time to be starting to make sacrifices? <laughs> you know, yeah, the, the other thing, too, is like they would have died, like basically 100 percent, like from what we see, they would have died if they hadn't have gotten in this car. Yeah. And that's the thing that makes these characters relatable is that, oh, they're just like us. Ray's an average guy. His kids are normal kids. They're put in danger. That's another thing that Steven Spielberg likes doing is putting kids in danger for sure. Um, and I don't, obviously it's not ethical, but again, how do we know how we're going to react if something like that happens? Exactly. Exactly. Yeah. Yeah. Um, especially when there's kids involved. Yep. Especially, and obviously because it's a minivan, somebody else has got kids. Mm -hmm. Yeah. The implications of that alone. Like it's not like yeah. this is a minivan. Whoever owned it, had kids. Yeah, well, uh, and the, the sad thing too is more than likely whoever owned it is dead. Yeah, more than likely. I mean, you can't you can't totally know that, but you can expect like you saw it, basically they drove off and their neighborhood exploded. Yeah. <laughs> like literally like the neighborhood like, exploded. And like I think yeah, Ray runs into an old neighbor of his later on in the movie, but maybe yes. her and Ray were the only ones who got out. Like we don't Yeah, yeah absolutely. Um so yeah, these things they get they get little, you know, like I said, society breaks down and uh, people people just react. They just act in a way to, to live. Yeah. And uh, some people take advantage of it. Some yes. people take advantage of the chaos. Mm -hmm. Yeah, absolutely. Chaos is a ladder. As Yep. <laughs> as uh, what's his name would say from Game of Thrones. Mm -hmm. So, yeah. So then they drive off and they, they're able to get out and they basically have the only working car. Um. <clears throat> And so then they, they drive to the the mother and stepdad's house. Uh, but Ray knows that they won't be there. Ray knows they're going to Boston. But they're just staying there, I guess, as a safe place to be. Yeah, the aliens, it's abandoned. It's kind of deserted. Nobody's mm -hmm. really yeah. around. Yeah, no one's there. Um, 
And so then again, so they, they, they go there and then they're, they're basically planning to stay there and, and then for the night and then try and get to Boston later. Um, and then again, we get more Ray is not prepared at all to take care of his own kids. Uh, uh, he's looking through the food that Robbie brought and it's all condiments. It's like ketchup and freaking relish <laughs> and like a couple pieces of bread and some peanut butter. And he's like, okay, I'm going to make a peanut butter and jelly sandwich. And and then uh, I love this this part. Rachel's like, oh, I'm allergic. She's like, what? He's like when have you been allergic? Uh, since birth? Since the <laughs> and, beginning, dude. Yeah. And, and she's like super vegan too, right? She's like a 10-year-old vegan. Yep. <laughs> so she just, he has no idea how to take care of his own kids. No, he doesn't even know that she has a severe allergy and he's not prepared for that. Like he didn't even think of it. Because, yeah. oh, God, what if she has an allergic reaction and an apocalypse and she doesn't have an EpiPen? She's dead. She's dead, yeah. And, and then there's this funny scene. He, like, throws the, the slice of, of bread against the window and it sticks. <laughs> yeah, there's something about him, like, throwing things at windows. Because, like, earlier in the film, he's playing catch with Robbie and he just gets mad and breaks his own window. I mean, granted, Robbie, Robbie didn't catch it on purpose. Um, but then he just throws something else at a window. <laughs> And then yeah. he kind of has this moment where he's like, we're fine. Everything's yeah, we're fine. fine. We're going to be fine. We're going to be, be fine. Okay. It'll be okay. So then they sleep in the basement. They take all their stuff and they go into the basement. And then they're, you know, this is interesting stuff too. Because like he he has good instincts, right? In terms yeah. of yeah. keeping them safe. He doesn't really understand everything. He can't really take care of them. But he's really good at keeping them out of danger, at least. Yeah. Because they're like, oh, I want to sleep on my bed. It's like, mm, that would have been a bad idea. That would have been yeah. a bad idea. So they, they go down there. They complain. The kids complain. But they, they get their beds down there. Uh, and he kind of, he kind of, you can tell he's, he's not going to sleep very well. Because he's like sitting in a chair with his gun. And he, like, he, he looks at the gun again. And he's, you can tell he's not. He's not, he's not settled <laughs> in this place. No, that's the thing. Like, Ray doesn't get any, like, the, the only time Ray sleeps is when he comes home from work and takes a nap. He probably slept for, like, two hours. And all yeah. he wants to do is sleep, and he can't. <laughs> yeah, and so then something crazy happens at night. Like, they, there's this really loud, witching, screaming sound. Um, and then there's, like, a fire, and they, they go even deeper into the, they, they go even deeper into, like, the basement. It's like um, a boiler room or something like yeah. that. Yeah, it's like the boiler room, uh, and there, you know, again, they, this is the apocalypse, right? <laughs> like bad stuff is happening. Bad keep stuff throwing, is happening. Yeah, keep throwing shit at your characters. Keep them moving. Yeah. It's exciting. And there's yeah. nothing more exciting than that. And that's the thing that I liked about this scene is that they don't see it. You just hear it, and how yes. terrifying that noise is. And it's yeah, like, and they, she's like, "Is it them? Is it them?" Yep. And it's and he doesn't know. He doesn't know what this is. It could be something new. And he's already learned like that. I heard, I read that the um, the sound that the tripods makes was a didgeridoo. A didgeridoo um, oh, okay. Edited to sound like very alien. And I, I personally <laughs> hate the didgeridoo um, for a reason was that I had a teacher in high school who would always open his classes blaring at like 7.30 in the morning on a didgeridoo. Mm. I, no offense to people who, who love it. I personally hate it. So when I heard that noise, I was like, mm, I don't like that. <laughs> yeah. 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 It's, it's, it's a, it is a mechanically frightening sound. Yeah. And then it's very like, it's a bellow. You know what I yeah. mean? I don't know if you've ever seen what a didgeridoo looks like, but it's, it's a bellow. It's mm -hmm. very synonymous with just, mm, I can't even describe it. It's, mm -hmm. it's just 
just there. <laughs> yeah. Um, so have you ever like been out uh, or like you, you're at home or something and then something like a really bad accident happened near you? Has that ever happened to you? Yeah, um, actually, oh. a tree fell down across the street of one, one of my old houses. And this was a huge, a very busy intersect or not intersection, but a very busy road that came right off the highway. It's like 35 miles an hour in there, but everyone goes 50. And it was pouring rain. And this tree was going to come down at some point. Mm. And it just came down. It didn't hit any wires, thankfully. Mm. It didn't get tangled That's up. Good. But it smashed in the middle right outside my house. And I'm like, that it was it was just me and my dad home. I had just got home from work. I was trying to wow. relax. And it was everyone was you, everyone is incredibly lucky. It didn't hit a, it would have hit our house. Um, but it didn't hit a house, it didn't get tangled up in the wires, it didn't crush a car, it didn't smash a pedestrian walking their dog. And every yeah. this is actually an interesting moment where everyone actually came together. Strangers stopped their cars and we all just started moving it. Oh, like, great. It was actually a really cool moment because we were yeah. just all helping each other trying to get this thing out of the road until the, the proper people mm -hmm. were to come to cut down the rest of the tree. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And the lady came out of, out of her house and she's like, that fucking tree. <laughs> <laughs> I just made an appointment for it to get felled. And she's like, that yeah. fucking tree. That's hilarious. But yeah, that was uh, pretty terrifying. That, because yeah, the first thing I thought was someone, someone's dead. <laughs> someone yeah, dead. For something, it fell on someone or it fell on a car or something. Yeah. But I can't think of anything like I never had a plane crash outside my house. Yeah, yeah. I, I bring this up so like my my aunt. So she she lives on a house like on the corner of an intersection. And one day, someone I don't know if they were drunk or if they fell asleep or something. It was kind of early in the morning. Someone they basically kept going at the intersection at the stop, and they drove right basically into her house, right into That's right through her. That is a fear of mine. Now she wasn't there, so she's a she's a doctor and she works kind of wonky hours, uh, so she wasn't there. But uh, someone drove basically right into her front door, and like, and it's not, it, and it was like on the corner. So like, the corner is like here, and then the front door is like probably twenty feet inward. So she, the person, drove through her front yard for a good 20, 30 feet, and then hit and stopped at her front door, and so she got home from work, and it's just like. The cops are there and is like, what happened? Oh, this lady, she just drove right into your house. <laughs> I hope that's covered with insurance. Like that's, I hope you have homeowner's insurance or something. That, that sucks. That is such, that freaks me out. That freaks me out so bad that that could happen. It just, because it, it yeah. does, it's, it's, it's freaky, but it does. And it's just, oh. Insurance is a mother. I'll just say that much. Insurance is a mother. Like they fight you on everything and they fought her up on a bunch of stuff. Like, oh no, well, we're not going to help you with the tree because, well, what, you know, it's just all this crap. Um, yeah, it's ridiculous. Like, so, yeah, I up and pay for it. Yeah, I know. I know exactly. So I just bring that up because these guys, they wake up and there is a airplane crashed into their house. An airplane yep. crashed into their house. You don't see that every day. Yeah. So I really like this um, this set that they did. This is amazing set because that's a real airplane or at least something that looks like it on the house. It's it's incredible if you think about the the level of production design that had to go into that set. Yeah, it was pretty outstanding because what I love is that they clearly all they really had to do for the scene prior to that was lighting editing and probably like and obviously sound mixing they saved all their money for that shot yes. all of the money that they could have spent showing the plane actually crash which again i think because it is post 9 11 that's why they didn't show it 
Um, but I think that it's it was it was so, it was amazing. It was so because the scene leading up to that is just is terrifying. But then you see the aftermath of it, and it's just it's horrifying because there's no people. And there's this amazing the part of the score the uh, the the John Williams score is so kind of ominous, but almost kind of I don't know it it, it kind of reminded me of something from like uh, Saving Private Ryan. It almost felt kind of. I, the word I want to say is like patriotic or something. <laughs> yeah, a little bit on that side. I, I can definitely appreciate that. It's not just you. I get it. I, I get that side of it. Yeah. There was just something kind of like fallen soldier about it or something. I don't know. It just, it just really was resonated in that moment. Um, speaking of, have you ever seen the movie flight? Have you ever seen that movie or heard of it? I can't. Cause I would never get on a plane. My dad watched it once okay. and I saw like parts of it and I just, I can't do it. I would. <laughs> so, it was hard enough to get me on a plane the first time I ever flew, and it I can't. <laughs> so like I my um I don't know why, but we're we we at some point we talked about like me and my me, just like me and my girlfriend, and then like her her dad and her dad's coworker who are all we all kind of hang out sometimes together. And so like for whatever reason I don't know why, but we got into talking about sort of plane accidents or something. And then, so of course it was like the miracle on the Hudson. We talked about that and we wa- then we watched the video and then I showed them the video of like that, the one scene from flight where he like does a barrel roll and all this stuff, which is crazy. It's a crazy scene. Um, but then I, I didn't realize, but like my, <laughs> like, like the, <laughs> her dad's friend was like definitely afraid of flying, <laughs> but he just wasn't, he wasn't willing to like talk about it at all. I was like, oh, well, I, I think I kind of scarred this guy. Um, my older sister went through this phase of, like, reading and researching about um, unexplained, like, plane crashes, basically. And she got yeah. really into it. And there was one. It was, like, a French flight. And they have, like, the black box recording of it. And basically the censors weren't telling them what their – I think the what their velocity was. So they kept flying up at like an upward angle instead of being level because their sensors okay. weren't, uh-huh. weren't communicating the proper information. So the, the, um, the, the, the captain of the, sh- of the flight was taking a nap or something like that at the time. And the co-pilot was trying, thought he was leveling the plane, but he was actually flying it upward and they just kept going until the plane started just getting crushed or something like that. But yeah, then it they froze. They had froze and they yeah. literally just, I think it was like a free fall, basically. Oh. Yeah, it was one of the most horrifying articles I have ever read. I was like, yeah, this is why I don't like flying. I would rather just take a train. Yeah, I don't need to go to Europe. That's fine. I'll take maybe I'll take a boat. But like, oh, I it's mm, I know it, wow. there, I know it's rare, but it's I'm always pretty hesitant. Takeoff and touchdown are my are the worst for me. I get sick. I don't puke, but I get like I say a couple of prayers. Yeah. yeah, 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 yeah. I feel you. I feel you. Um, but yeah, so, so yeah, the, <laughs> this movie, a plane has crashed into their house and Ray sees some guy like pulling the freaking the cart with all the food through the aisles. It's like, did you, were you on this plane? He's like, were you on this plane? And apparently the guy can't really hear very well. Um, and this whole scene, like then later, basically there's this other camera lady who's kind of, she's kind of, I don't know. She, she seems like your typical New Yorker. I hate to say. Yeah. yeah. She seems like a typical New Yorker, but this is actually a really good scene for exposition <laughs> to like catch yes. right up on what's going on. Like, and I thought it was good that it was a reporter 
because it wouldn't be a scientist. Everyone in the military is pretty busy mm -hmm. right now. Mm -hmm. And I like that she kind of catches him up on the stuff that's been going on, maybe in the last 10 hours or something like that. And that's the thing, like this movie takes place over a fairly short period of time. Yeah. Um, and uh, yeah, it just catches him up on like, oh, and this is like that. She plays the video in slow motion of it basically being transported into the ship, which leads me to believe. So there were seven lightning strikes, which so there's seven at least aliens operating the ship because it can't just be one. That's a big tripod, even if they are three legged aliens with hands on their feet. Mm -hmm, like, mm -hmm. and they're kind of cute too. I'm sorry, <laughs> they, when we see them, they're a little, they're a little cute. Um, uh, like men yeah, but those, are cute. those are maybe like the baby ones. Although maybe. we do see one later, and it's that one that's driving, and it it is kind of similar, similar I, look. I thought the design of their heads looked a lot like the ones in Independence Day. You know, because they kind of have like that that sharp crown almost, mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Um, but that's more like the exoskeleton of the uh, aliens in Independence Day. Yeah, yeah. One thing I, I like too about the alien, the way they the, it, it mirrored their technology, and so I, I really like that the, they did that. That it their technology is based on their physiology. Yeah. So, um, yeah. So then after all this, we get all this exposition. Um, so now we get more of the stuff with Robbie. He's becoming very combative, and he's like, "I want to, I want to fight in this war." I want to go fight much. aliens. I don't know what's going on, but I want to go fight aliens. Like, yes, oh God, Kit. Yeah, I know. So they see like the army coming by, and he's like, "Hey, take me with you! Take me with you!" And it's like, mm, I like how they're even like, "Kid, you're gonna get killed." <laughs> like, even yeah. the kids, the other guys in the army, and a couple of them don't look that much older than Robbie. You're just like, yeah, no. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Gun hotshot. Sure. Do you even know how to use? Like, Robbie doesn't know how to use a gun. Yeah. Like, God, have some rational sense. Like, that's the thing that bugs me about Robbie is that I get why he's there, but there's there needs to be some common sense. Like, and even that's when Ray is just like, "What about your sister?" Mm -hmm. like, yeah. You're just gonna take off, and she even she says like, "Who's gonna take care of me?" Like. He helps her with her claustrophobia. He knows that she has an allergy. He knows what sets her off, what triggers her. And he's just going to ditch her? Ugh. Brothers are bad sometimes. And I have four. Yeah. I love them. But I'm just saying. <laughs> yeah. And then there's also this scene where, like, you know, Rachel, they, they like, stop somewhere to use the bathroom. And then Rachel kind of, she, she's running somewhere. And then she runs to this river. And you just see like you see like one body float by, and you see like dozens of bodies floating by in the water, and it's and just I'm, weird. I'm assuming those were the bodies from maybe the airplane, because the you other one get vaporized. So like I was kind of just like maybe they just you know. Ended this is up this there. is some, this is something that that he does a lot in his movies, to be honest. Where like, so like there's a scene in Jurassic Park. Uh, so the scene when the T-Rex first bursts out of the the pen. There's a there's a very blatant continuity error where they, the T-Rex comes out of the pen and then the people fall off a cliff from the same pen that the T-Rex came out of. Yeah. But that happens because it's – that's something that most people aren't going to notice at first unless – like your average viewer because what they get out of that is the tension, right? So you go mm -hmm. from – you're being attacked by this thing. The only way to escape is off a cliff, and so you're constantly in a fear mechanism with the with the characters. And I feel like this is a similar. The only thing I could say is like maybe these are people that basically got their blood sucked out, as we're gonna find out later, possibly. Uh, but again, this is just more sort of showing how 
how dangerous how much danger the characters are in right that's the only yeah. way that i can really but yeah continuity like we've we've seen the the aliens zapping people like we shouldn't really be seeing bodies yeah exactly and that's what kind of confused me i mean i think part of it is to traumatize rachel personally because again she is the innocent party and everything um she yeah. is again helpless and doesn't go looking for dead bodies in a river obviously yes. mm -hmm. um I just felt, did she ever get to go to the bathroom? Like, I would have pissed my pants if I saw that. Like, I just, like, I just feel so bad for Rachel. Like, and Ray actually starts really trying to shield her from it. Like, he really, really tries. Like, like when, he, when, they, when he takes her out of the house for the mm -hmm. first time. Because, like, I feel mm -hmm. like Spielberg could have made that plane crash, like, a lot more violent and gory than he probably did. But because Ray tells her, like, we're going to go outside and I don't You're not going to look. I don't want you to look at anything. Just look at me. And she trusts him. That's the thing. Like, Rachel does trust Ray to an extent because she she tries really hard not to look. And he tries very hard to shield her from from what's out there. It could just be because of the, she might ask questions about where are the people on the plane. It could just be, you know, that. Um, but and then he fails when she go, tries to just go to the bathroom. You mm -hmm. know, she still sees it. He still can't protect her from it. And it's just, I just feel so bad for her because like, again, my, my, my maternal instinct is like protect her, keep her safe. Yeah. Like she's the vulnerable one. And it's so sad. Yeah. Especially when the world is collapsing around you and you know, she's a curious person and it's like, yeah, there's, there's a lot of, I wonder how did the bodies get there? How did this plane crash? Is anyone alive? Can we're, we save we're... them? Can we take them with us? You know, like, yeah. why, can't, yeah. why can't we take them with us? Why can't we help them? And, yeah, it just gets worse for her. It really does. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And all those answers to those questions are basically, uh, we, we can't really be human anymore. We have to sort of only help ourselves. And, you know, people us. that age probably don't get it. Yeah, and us together is what matters, not us and everybody else. You know, it's, and again, the scene that follows that with, you know, the mob in the car is just. Mm -hmm. oh, yeah, so let's talk about that. So, so they're driving and then Robbie takes over for a little bit and then Ray goes to sleep. And then when Ray wakes up, they're in the middle of some, basically like a town. Uh, and there's a lot of people. And at first it's like, okay, whatever. They switch seats again. Ray starts driving again. And then, you know, the mob starts to form and people start banging on the windows. And of course, <laughs> Rachel's like, what's going on? Why, why can we give him a ride? Like, no, we can't give him a ride. Uh, and, it, it starts getting really bad. Some guy jumps on the car and then Ray kind of hits the gas, gets the guy off the car and then they, he keeps driving and there's a woman with a baby and he just mm -hmm. diverts out the way and they hit a, hit, they hit an electrical pole and people just descend on the car. Uh, there's this great scene of like a guy, uh, there's like a whole, little small hole in the, in the front window oh and he just starts ripping the glass and you see why this. Like, yeah. And then it cuts to Rachel just watching and just being like, why is he doing that? Like, it's just, why is everyone so, so crazy? It's literally like zombies. Like we are, the, that's what we turn into, you yeah. know? And it's, yeah, it's a very, it's probably, probably the most tense scene. Yeah. I, I would think. And the most horrifying mm -hmm. because you have so many characters that are vulnerable not just our main characters that we're following, but there's like, there's the lady and the baby. There's mm -hmm. other kids there too. And uh, like you, like I know I've seen it before and I know he gets Rachel out of the car, but th there's a distinct possibility. He might not, that this guy might just drive off with his kid. Mm -hmm. 
Yeah, and there's a part, but basically Robbie and uh, Ray just jumped. I mean, they, they're getting beat up by these people, and Robbie's in the middle of something just getting his ass beat. Um, it's bad, and Rachel's stuck in the car while the two of them are getting beaten up. Yeah, she can't call. help them. She can't do Yeah, anything. she can't do anything. And while she's trying to, there's, I forget when it happened, but she's trying to get out. She's like, Rachel, get out, get out. She's trying to get out, and people are getting in, and they're just pushing her back in the car. Exactly. Like, they don't care. They don't, they don't see care. her. They don't, they don't see care. her. She's not their kid. Yeah. And then Ray, finally, he pulls the gun. He starts shooting. And he's like, dude, where's my son? <laughs> and people are like, oh, man, it's no big deal. It's like, dude, where's my son? You almost killed my son. Almost what killed me over no a car. Yeah, it's just like. It's just- uh, yeah. And then this other guy pulls a gun on Ray. And then it's a very tense moment. And he's like, I don't want the car. I just want my kid. Just give me my kid. And I'll let you be. And then, you know, the mistake this guy made was like Ray drops his gun and this guy gets in the car, doesn't take the other gun. Uh, this was So basically now they don't have a car anymore, uh, our protagonist family. And they go into this little diner and they watch. And then we see a guy, the guy with the, picks up Ray's gun and just blasts this guy who stole the car. Shoots him yeah, like three times. Kind of like, is this just going to be the vicious cycle? Are we just going to keep shooting the next driver until we run out of bullets? And then what happens when we run out of bullets? You know, it's just, we're just going to tear each other apart. So this, yeah. Yeah. Hmm. This, this scene really kind of, you know, depicts the, the dark side, right? The, the, this is the scene where everyone who's watching can be like, well, I would never do that. This is the scene where everyone is just like, I would never get to that point. But yeah, again, we don't know. <laughs> yeah. And so, yeah, they have to go the rest of the way on foot. And yeah, this is, this is like, this is the really scary thing about like, these type of scenarios it's the people it's when the people go completely hysterical and they they panic right and yeah that hysteria is frightening it's infectious yeah it's infectious it's infectious like so i don't like going to really big public places like a mall no no never again i haven't been to a mall in like a year and a half like yeah no thank you like not to mention that gatherings in general right now are pretty you know pretty bad which is fine with me i'm totally fine with it outlaw all of them. to be fair i feel like if you go to a mall now they're pretty empty <laughs> yeah it's pretty dead it was dead before that it was yeah, yeah. people are going for the food court i feel like not anything yeah, else. yeah, yeah. already like super overpriced mm-hmm. and actually the mall that's closest to me right across the street from it in the same plaza is a resale shop where you can get abercrombie shit that's basically <laughs> for like five bucks uh-huh. so why would you go yeah there? yeah yeah they're they're dying. They're they're dying out. The mall is like a thing of the eighties, basically. Oh yeah, that's one of the things I liked about. I did. I didn't love season two of Stranger Things, but I loved mm-hmm. the mall. I love how enamored everyone great. was. Like it had the arcade, yeah. the cool food court, yeah, the clothes. They they like snuck into uh, Back to the Future. <laughs> you remember that? <laughs> oh yes, yes, yes. They snuck into it. Yep, that was pretty good. Oh yeah, and it had movie theaters. One mm-hmm. of the malls that I grew up near um, had its own movie theater in it. And it was so crappy the older you got. like, And you just realized yeah. how bad this movie theater was. But it was fun. Yeah, 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 yeah. Um, yeah, so... <laughs> so, yeah. So now our protagonists, they're off by themselves, basically. And so they they walk on foot, and then they find this this ferry. And this is like a, the scene where, like, like you're talking about, like, Ray finds his neighbor somehow. She's alive, too, in this whole scenario. Um, and then this, this scene was really, I thought pretty impressive, but also really scary. Like 
they basically on there's like a hill, right? And they they look up, and then a tripod is coming down the hill to attack the, these people, and uh, you know people panic, right? And then the the fairy is about to just immediately take off, and people are jumping onto this thing because they're they're like about to get attacked and killed by this this machine. Um, and the Ray and his neighbor get separated, and she basically I think it's left, right? Yeah, she gets left. It's pretty. She bad. gets left behind. Yeah. Um, and Robbie, Robbie, like, goes into action, right? Like, he's, like, trying to help people, pull people up. That was actually a moment I did like about Robbie's character. Mm-hmm. That yeah. Like a bird's eye view of, like, how many people are still on the other side just holding on and are eventually going to fall because they're going to get weak. It's freezing out. And he, like, runs over and he tries helping people over the side, which I did like. I liked that moment because I like to think that I would have been like that. I would have tried to, like, mm-hmm. help people over because, like, what are you going to do? Shoot me for helping someone who's already technically on the boat? Yeah, fuck you. (laughs) At least I'll die doing something good. Mm -hmm. That was a great moment for Robbie because that's like showing what he what he wants to do. He wants to help people. Yeah, pretty much. Don't give him a gun. Don't give Robbie. Don't give him a gun. He's gonna shoot himself in the foot. But then things go really bad. Like a tripod ascends out of the water and it it attacks the ferry and it it tips the ferry over. Um, and then we get the scenes where they're like. They're in the water and then a car slams into them in the water. They're trying to swim out and they see like the tripods have these uh, basically tentacles that are picking, scooping people out of the water. It, yeah, it's just another another massacre. Um, and then so then they get out of the water. And this I think this is probably one of the best shots in the whole film. They get out of the water and they're sort of in the bushes. But they have a whole sort of panoramic view of what's going on. Mm-hmm. And then on one side, basically on the left... You see the tripod coming down the hill, killing people and just death raying them that were like, didn't get on the ferry. And then there's on the other side, there's another hill and a other tripod's coming down. People are running down that, that hill getting, Flanked. you know, yeah. And it's just like, and then in the middle is the, uh, the tripod in the water, destroying the ferry and getting all the people out of the water. It's just like, it's just unbelievable. Yeah. And the, like, the military tech isn't working like all the thing all the shit they're throwing at it is just bouncing right off like it detonates before it hits it because there's some kind of shielding that's mm-hmm. protecting the tripod and they're tr- they're really trying man they're like they're trying to give it at their all i read somewhere that they used all real military uniforms like they were all well like worn and stuff like that to have that mm-hmm. like authentic like feel to it and yeah. that's Robbie decides oh i'm gonna try and be heroic again even though i have no means to defend myself whatsoever yeah. Yeah, Robbie gets what he wants. So they they they're in the situation where there's a battle happening nearby, and Robbie runs right into the battle um, <laughs> crazily, and and Ray leaves Rachel behind, and some. So what do you think about this woman? This woman basically tries to take her, tries to take well, Rachel. I actually, it's it's a tense moment because you know we know as an audience, Ray is there. He's yeah. literally like twenty feet from Rachel. Mm-hmm. Any other situation trying to get your son not to go do something rachel would be fine she can see her dad his dad her dad can see her but amidst the chaos i think this woman was actually trying to just do something kind and i think that shows even in our darkest moments of humanity someone might still see a a lost little girl and want to help her and yeah she's trying to take her but it's not because she's trying to like sell her or something like that it's not because she's like gonna traffic her or or hurt her or kill her or something. She's like, no, this I'm not leaving her. Like this girl is by herself. 
and the chaos around, she can't hear that Rachel is like, no, my dad is right there. But which one is your dad? Is your, is your dad already dead? Like, I don't know. Like that's, it was nice to finally see a stranger amidst all this chaos and all this horror that Rachel is seeing someone looking out for her who doesn't know her. And I actually didn't mind it. Like I mm-hmm. obviously like, I'm like, Ray's going to come back. Robbie's going to go fuck off somewhere and be mm-hmm. a dick. Um, but Ray's going to come back to Rachel because she's the one who's the most, again, the most vulnerable. Mm-hmm. And I don't know. I kind of liked that someone would still care even when you're thinking about your own survival. Yeah. And it, it was a good moment where it kind of, that, it made sort of a positive moment negative because we're worried about her getting taken away from him. Um, and yeah, you're right. It's, it's, it's like one of the, cause like, yeah, they're they're The aliens are right there and they're going to win the battle. And if she gets left and Ray got, you know, death raid, she was just going to stand there and basically die. Yeah. And it's, it's because like the last encounter Rachel had with a mob of people, they were trying to kill her, you know, and it, I like to think that if the lady did take her, then maybe on some level, Rachel would have, if she survived, would appreciate it. I'd like to see a sequel. No, because they did that with Independence Day, so that wouldn't be good. But I was going to say, like, I'd like to see Rachel now and how she, what she became. What did she do after that event? Who did she become? Like, I was yeah. just left wondering that. <clears throat> how would that shape your experiences? And I know I keep going back to, like, the post 9-11 thing, but I think that is really important in regards to Rachel's character. She saw all of that. Like, just like we saw something so catastrophic happen, maybe not on the same level as an alien invasion, but yeah. to a certain degree, it was, it was pretty traumatizing for an entire generation. Yeah. 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 For sure. Um, so yeah. So then, yeah, Ray gets Rachel back. Robbie's gone. Uh, the basically the last thing of him they see is the tripod comes over the horizon and there's a giant explosion. And I think like a fiery wheel or something rolls down the hill or something. I think it's like a yeah, it's like a big like military jeep or something yeah. like that, and it just comes rolling down the on hill. And everyone, yeah, everyone, it's on fire, and everyone's assumed. Oh hey, <laughs> sorry, my dog <laughs> running in again. Um, I think it's just assumed everyone's dead. Okay, everyone's dead. She's, okay. <laughs> yeah, she's rambunctious. Rambunctious doesn't even begin to cover it. Yeah. <laughs> she's a pint-sized pain in the ass. Yeah, yeah. But I love her. But yeah, yeah um, I think that's when you know Ray's kind of like okay. I really got to get going. Yeah. And so then they meet uh, the Tim Robbins character, Harlan Ogilvy, and they see him and he's, you know, they should have known from the jump, right? This dude's out here holding up a shotgun. He's like, come here, come with me, stay with me, or whatever. And then he's like, they go with this guy and they go into his freaking basement. I think a lot of that had to do with just desperation. At that yeah. point, Ray was just kind of demoralized. He assumed his son was dead. His his daughter is on the is having probably a nervous breakdown. Yeah. And yeah, I think he was just desperate. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I mean, yeah, he's got a gun. So shoot, fuck it. Yeah. So what do you think of this moment where Ray's sort of trying to put her to sleep? And he can't sing her a lullaby, but he he sings her a pop song. Yeah, I thought it was sweet. You know, he's trying. Yeah, that was good. Yeah, the first time in the movie, he's really trying to at least make yeah, it feel better trying. because she's so distraught. She's just so she's so sad, and he's trying to you know like, don't worry, Robbie's gonna meet us. He'll be fine, even though he knows that the, there's a huge possibility Robbie's dead. Yeah, that Robbie literally just died in this this war battle we just saw. Yeah, yeah, he has no help anymore. He's just him and Rachel and this crazy guy with a shotgun. Cool. And he that's when I think he really becomes a dad, too. Yes. 
Yes. And yeah, I remember moments with my dad when I was like little and scared or something like that. And my dad would sing me a song and it would make me feel better. And, mm-hmm. you know, it just, I thought it was, I just thought it was a sweet moment, you know? It yeah, makes, it was a good moment. It makes me wish Tom Cruise wasn't such a freaking crazy song. I know. I think we, that... we talked about this last week. And I'm like, yeah. damn it, Tom. Scientology. I saw this crazy story. I, I want to send it to you, but I forgot of like, so there was this thing in California where someone, this woman got kidnapped by Scientology. She sued them. And then they, they have this, this thing is called Scientology arbitration where you have to go through their religious system to, to, to go through a, a religious arbitration. So basically she got caught up in their own kangaroo courts, basically. <laughs> I hate them. I hate them so much. It, it's horrific. It is horrific. It's it's it is it is yeah, so bad. Library regime falls. So enjoy it while it lasts, guys. Exactly. Yeah, and hopefully they they fall soon. Anonymous, go after them again, right? That'd be nice. <laughs> Do something right. Get rid of Scientology. That's yeah, get rid of Scientology. Yeah. And so then, so later on in the scene, we get this great line. It's, it's from the book, too. Uh, it's like Harlan says this line, like, you know, this isn't a war any more than there's a war between men and maggots. This is an extermination. And yeah. Um, and he's right, though. Like, yeah, human beings don't stand a chance militarily, technologically yeah. against these things. No, we really don't. And Harlan kind of keeps going on about, you know, like, oh, I was an EMP and it's the ones who hang on mm-hmm. and blah, 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 all that other creepy stuff. And all Ray wants to do is take a nap. Yeah. All he wants to do. He's had yeah. two naps. He's probably had four hours of sleep in total since the beginning of a move since the beginning of the movie. Yeah. yeah. And it was yeah. morning time when he went home from work. So he was probably working at like midnight. And it's just, yeah. Mm-hmm. He's, he's freaking exhausted. He just wants to go to bed. And I'm just like, I get that. <laughs> yeah. And like, yeah, Harlan is just he just keeps going deeper and deeper. He keeps like kind of talking more and more crazy stuff. Like he's like, Oh yeah. And he's just like, oh, we're the resistance, Ray. We're gonna, we're gonna come up right under their feet and then attack them. And it's like, what? what? And the thing is, like, when the when the tripod gets in there, it's little eye. Ray's trying to save him. He's trying to convince him, like, no, don't attack. That scene is so good. It's like that scene is amazing. The, the kitchen scene in Jurassic Park, very, very much so. Like, it's just mm-hmm. oh, has a snake thing. I like snakes personally, but like. It just slithered around. It was just mm-hmm. this giant yeah. eye with this huge vision. And it's just, oh, oh. Yeah, that scene was so well shot, too. Like, they do, there's this one shot that I really love where they're, like, they're, Ray and Rachel are hiding. And then, so we see them hide, and we see the eye come out, and it's moving and moving. And then the camera keeps going back, and then we see Harlan pick up the axe, and we see his face. And he looks crazy and then he's like looking at the thing and he's like you know he's like about to strike and then and then it cuts and he's like no 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 no, no, no. don't do this <laughs> don't do it don't yeah. do this don't be crazy right now and then like the subsequent like standoff they have with the shotgun is just so they're trying to be quiet like they're both trying to be quiet but yeah. all struggling for dominance with the gun and it's just ugh. yeah yeah it's so good yeah and then we like we see the martians uh for the first time and yeah, like you said, they're kind of cute-ish. I thought they were kind of cute. I mean, evil, but cute. Mm-hmm. Yeah, they're they're sort of probably like five, five and a half-ish feet tall. They got this triangular kind of head, like you said, like the really big peak. They got three legs, and you know, they're they those ones look like I don't know. I just they came off to me as like kind of being children. Uh, they were very yeah. cute. Mm-hmm. 
and they're like they're like touching stuff. Like there's this one scene and one's looking at a picture. And he's like touching it. And he's like passing it along. They're sniffing yeah. it. They're like licking it. They're like, yeah. How is this? And yeah, like, like, the bicycle, <laughs> like the bicycle wheel is just like the hell? Uh, and then it falls. Yeah, like, yeah, yeah. And he can't yeah. like smash yeah. it or something. Mm-hmm. Um yeah, when that one licked it, that was that was the end for him. <laughs> yeah. Don't lick a 50-year-old picture, bro. I don't care what planet you're from. <laughs> Ew. Uh, I wash my hands after touching old pictures. I don't know where those have been. Yeah, 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 yeah. Um, yeah, and so then, like, finally, the, the the big bellowing sound comes out, right? And then they all retreat and recede. And um, there's basically a reprieve, but, like, Ray and Harlan, they, they can't coexist. Um, he's way too crazy. He's way too crazy. Way too crazy. Um and things sort of start to come to a head. Then the next scene, like Ray wakes up and and, and Arlen's just like Ray, 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 just screaming his name. Yeah, He's letting like, him know up. where they are. <laughs> and then we get this scene where like we see what they're doing. They're basically terraforming the planet, yeah. the Martians, but they're terraforming the planet using human blood, and they're spraying human blood like it's the, the Harlan uses the the analogy fertilizer. Um, and then it creates this creep, this like creeping moss. Yeah, it's really because I'm assuming they're probably mixing it with something else. Like it's not just human blood that they're, you know, spraying all over the place. It's pretty nasty. Um, again, very, very violent in a scene I kind of forgot about for probably for obvious reasons because it was so gross. Um, and yeah, they're both. I think they're both pretty freaked out by it. Yeah, and like we get this great scene of like uh, Ray watching the the tripod lay a guy down and then like insert something into this person and just suck their blood out. And it's like, so either you get, you get death raid or you get that happen to you. It's like, yeah, you become oh, fertilizer. Sound good to me. Is there an option three? Yeah, it's bad. Um, and so then Harlan just goes totally off the deep end. He's, he's done. He just starts digging. He, he says something. Yeah. Not my blood, not my blood. And we're the resistance, right? We're the resistance. And it's like, yeah. "Mm." Occupations, they always fail, right? Don't you understand? We're going to come up from under their feet. (laughs) Yeah, that's when Ray's kind of like, yeah, you're going to get me killed. Yeah. And so then he's he's like, he tells Rachel, okay, look, just, uh, you remember that song? Start singing that song. And he puts a little blindfold over her head and he he, he confronts Harlan and kills him off screen. Which I'm kind of glad it was off screen. I don't think we needed to see that because that's like, I think Ray was trying really hard to avoid anything like that. Yeah. Like, obviously he would threaten and things like that, but this is his descent into what the world's become. Yeah. Yeah. So then like the next scene, basically they're sleeping together. Um, well, this is nice. So like he comes out, right. And he's, you can tell he's never, you know, like we have to kill somebody. That's not easy. No. And then she kind of comforts him and they they pulled each other. It's like an intimate moment, um, which is really nice. And then they kind of go to sleep together. And then she wakes up and then the freaking alien's there. <laughs> the probe is there. It's looking right at her. Mm-hmm. Yeah, she's like, ah! And then he, he takes the axe at it. She runs away. Um, and basically he he goes out outside and like, again, another amazing set. The The set is just so, it's it's unbelievable what they did to make this scene look the way it is. Uh, Cause the red stuff is everywhere. And it's basically like 
someone's front yard, if they lived on a farm, got taken over by this weird, whatever you want to call it, the creep, this red creep. And like, there's, this, there's like a, there's like a truck that's kind of turned over. It's, it's, it's amazing. I love that scene. The it's really it good. And you see this um, shot of like Ray on the ground and the tripod, like right over him and the lighting and everything is just so, so good. Yeah. I think there's another scene where he kind of gets on a hill and he's looking out and as far as he can see, there's nothing. Yeah, everything's gone. All the people are just dust or yeah. they're in a basket underneath a tripod and ready to be sprayed. Mm -hmm. Yeah, and so then he, he sees, finally sees Rachel. She's up on a hill and then the tripod takes her. He can't get to her in time. It takes her and then it's kind of walking away. And then he, uh, there was some kind of, some, some Jeep that had a, that was like a military Jeep and he, he takes some grenades. He throws a grenade at it doesn't work, but it gets his attention and then it takes him too. Um, so the two of them are together in this little cage on, on the, um, on the tripod with a bunch of other people and they're together, but you know, these, this, this basically the tripod, they, they keep taking these people and sucking their blood out and spraying them everywhere. Yeah. I mean, so, they're together, but how long is that going to last? Like seconds, minutes, like it's all random. You don't know which, who's going to be taken next. Yeah. Yeah. So then Ray, so then the thing is coming out, it comes out like the kind of serpentine, uh, I don't know what you want to call it, but it, it's, it's, it's going to go for Rachel and then he kind of shields her. Um, and then it takes him and it takes him in. Uh, but then some other people, they kind of gang together and they, they, some, some military guys, like they grab them and then they, they pull them out and Ray left some grenades inside of the, the tripod. That, yeah, I like I like that moment of realization yeah. for the military guy where Ray spins out the yeah. the pins and he's like, "Good job," but oh shit! <laughs> yeah, get down, get down, um, and then it just it explodes, and then it's a really kind of cool shot. You see a bunch of explosions happen inside of it, and then uh, some pink goo spits oh, out. Oh, gross! It was just like, it just yeah. like went. that's why I think they were mixing it with something else because there was like yes. some goo. Because I don't think that was all alien blood. Um, mm -hmm. if they even have like normal blood, like we would, um, but yeah, it, it, it was pretty gross. It was a good shot, but it was like, just like yeah. bits of it just fall. Yeah. It's like <laughs> sprays onto the camera. It's pretty, mm -hmm. pretty cool. Uh, and so, yeah. So then the, the cage lands on a tree and they, Rachel and Ray and everyone else are able to escape. Um, and then the next shot, they're continuing to Boston and they see all the creep is dying. It's it's turned from red to gray, and then he kind of takes a piece of it and crushes it, and it turns into dust. Um, and all these tripods are disabled all over the place. Shields are down, and then Ray kind of points out to this, this military guy, like, hey, the shield is down on this thing. There are birds on it. You should attack it. Um, and then we get this cool scene where the military, they get uh, an RPG kind of rocket launcher, and they they shoot down one of the, uh, one of the tripods, falls through a building, <laughs> really very cool dramatic. shot yep. very dramatic yeah like there's like a guy jumping over a freaking car while this thing's crashing onto the yep. yeah it like goes through a building <laughs> crashes on the ground it run, destroys a car <laughs> and then they open it up and then the the martian comes out it's like Ugh! it dies very dramatically yeah it's eyes like glass over or something mm -hmm. turn gray yeah and, uh, yeah, yeah. though the war is basically coming to an end here and and then rachel and and uh ray they get to they get to boston and then they see his ex-wife from uh the little of the rings um and 
Guess who else is there? By some kind of miracle, Robbie is there. He's alive. Robbie, how did he get there? That's never explained. There's never some moment like, oh, well, one of the Jeeps from the military was still working and I managed to yeah. like steal it or something like that. One piece of dialogue was all I was asking for. And yeah, but yeah, whatever. We needed a happy ending, you know? Yeah, we get our happy ending, yeah. And then we get this like really cool, this is another thing from this the book, the narration that basically explains that the thing that killed the aliens is they got a disease and the disease they were not prepared for because they're not equipped to, you know, to, to basically, basically they got coronavirus. Basically they, got, they got the Rona and <laughs> they got the Rona systems for aliens who have all this technology, their immune systems actually are shit on our planet. So yeah. Yeah. And this, this is like, and it's straight from the book. It's, it's a great, it's a great quote. Uh, the aliens, they were undone, destroyed after all of man's weapons and devices had failed by the tiniest of creatures that God and his wisdom put on this earth. By the toll of billions of deaths, man had earned his immunity, his right to survive among this planet's infinite organisms. And that right is ours against all challengers, for neither do men live nor die in vain. And that's straight from the book. And I think that's really good. And I feel like that's sort of, again, another sort of thing that kind of makes this story pertinent because i guess the moral of the story right is that there's human beings have a place on this earth because we've sort of evolved here over a long period of time and you know when we think about the coronavirus and the things that have you know it's 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 had a humongously detrimental effect on our ability to to live the way that we had before but that's sort of a price we have to pay of being civilized humans on this planet is like sometimes and you know again like a lot of it had to do with the way that we live actually right because mm -hmm. these viruses come pretty much from bats and so the the only way that this interacts with the human is that we we have these farms that are always encroaching on their environment and then the bat uh, either bites a pig or it craps and then the pig eats the crap and then it, it goes to the, from the bat to the pig and then we eat the pig and then it goes to us you know um, but regardless, I feel like the, this, the moral kind of works because the way I think about it is like, there is, it's not in vain. Human beings dying from these kind of things is not in vain. It's always, we're, we're learning more and we're able to sustain ourselves on the planet because we're able to experience these, these things. And at, at the end of it, we're going to be better equipped to handle types of diseases. Yeah. I mean, future. our bodies are going to have to just again evolve and learn to fight it you know like just like we have for a bunch of other different things and create a vaccine for it you know because yeah. this is going to be something that's literally changed the world this has changed the entire world it's not just one country it's not just one race it's not just one anything it's everything everything has changed because of it yeah absolutely absolutely um yeah and you know uh the the martians couldn't handle the coronavirus so <laughs> That's <laughs> what so killed them. Yeah, sure. Go ahead, try and invade. <laughs> yeah, right. Could you imagine if they like invaded right now? Like they came down. Just sneeze on a tripod. Yeah, that's all it. All did. we had to do was just sneeze on it before it came out of the ground. <laughs> yeah, it's a great. You know, if you really think about it, it's it's a it's a great sort of science fiction trope. Like like oh yeah, they're so much more advanced, but this they didn't. They had this flaw, right? They couldn't see that they needed to prepare for infectious diseases. Yeah, didn't they see people dying from the flu and shit? 
<laughs> like you've been watching us this whole time, but you missed the Spanish flu. Mm -hmm. You missed the plague. Like yeah, yeah. And in all of their, because I feel like this book came out before any of those really big. Well, I mean, again, like there's the the plague, plague, right? Like that. That was a big deal, and yeah, but vaccines were, were still weren't necessarily a thing. I mean, I don't know how far polio vaccines had gotten by the time the book came out, but probably not that very far. Because this was like eighteen, it was like the eighteen nineties when, when yeah, the original so book then, came out. Yeah, <laughs> they, they didn't even have iron lungs yet, probably at that point to combat polio. Yeah. So yeah. this is pre-vaccines. Yeah. You know? Yeah. Yeah. Totally. Um, yeah, so that was that was that was it. Um, yeah, do you have any other thoughts or feelings? Like, what was your overall? How do you how do you like this film? Watching it again, I I really liked it. I would definitely watch it again. Um, I mean, probably has probably could give myself some time <laughs> in between it, only because of like some of those scenes. They just made me so tense. Just made freaked me out so bad. Um, and again, like I really wish people would try and see why Rachel is important as a character. Yes. I read somewhere that she was like listed as one of the most useless characters to have in an apocalypse. I'm like, no, she, <laughs> she's not useless. She's helpless. There is a difference. There's a difference. There is a difference. She's, she's helpless because she's 10. You're telling me there's a 10 year old out there that's going to handle the an alien apocalypse the way you want them to like, no, that's not how kids operate. That's not how kids are. I don't even have kids. Mm -hmm. And I, I I would try and be empathetic to the fact that a kid's freaking out because people are being vaporized in front of her. Vaporized. Or that, or that a Boeing 747 jet is outside in her yard. Where are the people? Like, that just kind of made me a little... Annoyed. Saw a river of, of dead bodies floating. Yeah. Oh, my well, dad has to go kill someone because yeah. they're going to get me killed. <laughs> yeah. That's and, you know, she... Kid. She didn't ask anything after he did that. Nope. She didn't say anything. She said, oh, what happened to that man? No, she she knew. Yeah, this is a kid yeah. who knew. This is a kid who knew exactly what her dad did, and she was fine with it. That is, that's crazy. Yeah, what I really liked about this film was, like, you know, this film sort of, is, I feel like it's grown on me. At first, I thought, it, I've always liked it, but I, I really feel like this this film, it he really did the material well and right, and I, I think it speaks well for its time, but also... You know, just thinking about thinking about this in the in the context of like the coronavirus and thinking of it, like being there, like me actually being there and seeing American fellow Americans panic, go crazy and like fight over toilet paper and hand sanitizer and, and like the sanitizing wipes. You just couldn't get it. Um, knowing that that thing can happen here, this this film kind of touches on that and it uses the sci fi premise to sort of address those type of issues in the American context. And I think it does it really well. And the, there's so many scenes that are so well shot. And like we talked about the, some of the set design was so well done. This, the, the, the design of that set with the airplane that crashed and the design of the set, when he walks out of the, the um, sort of the farmhouse and like, there's just this red creep everywhere. I just think that they, they did this, this, this film really, really well. Yeah, um, I agree. It's definitely, I definitely one of my newer favorite alien invasion movies for sure. Yeah, you know, one thing that we didn't, I, I kind of forgot to talk about it, but there's, there's that scene. So like, that scene is so well done with the ferry. So they get off the ferry, and they see all these people getting killed and basically getting pincered, like you said. And then they're, they're running, basically running away, and they're running into the forest, and then they see these clothes descending down. Yeah. That's pretty freaky. The it's wind so ominous. It. Yeah. Yeah, they just look up and you see clothes just flying down. 
Yeah, because also think like you're not just getting that on you, like that ash, you're getting it in your lungs, like you're breathing it in too. It's just so ugh. You're breathing in a human. And it's like 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 when he first got back home, he's like first he's shocked. And then he like it's like Rachel's like, What's that stuff on you? And he looks, he's like, Oh my god. That's he my starts <laughs> He starts to like brush it off and then he he uh he goes into the bathroom and he like washes his face and he just looks in the mirror and he's just like I gotta get I gotta get out of here. I gotta get out of here. Yeah. Yeah, I think I think he really like he really went there with this. You know, this wasn't like cutesy or nice or like, oh whatever. It's, it's not in- <laughs> it's intense and it's brutal and it, it it really depicts a war, a war of the worlds, you know? And an extinction level event. <laughs> yeah. So yeah. So I, I think that's any any other last thoughts about the film? Uh no, I like I said, I enjoyed it. I'd watch it again. Um, I think it still looks pretty good. Um, especially those shots of the tripod are just so good. And uh, I highly recommend it if you have not already seen. Yeah, this is a good one. This is a good one. Definitely worth watching. Okay. So, yeah, that'll be our review for the World of Worlds. Um, so, we are talking last time, I think after we went off the air, that you hadn't seen um, Interstellar yet. No, I haven't. No. Yeah. I think we should review Interstellar next. Let's okay, do that. I'm down. I'm down. Let's yeah. keep this sci-fi dream alive. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I'm really excited to hear what you think about that film because you haven't seen it yet. Um, so yeah, that'll be our next week. We'll be we're going to talk about Interstellar, and um, <laughs> that'll be a fun one. That'll be a fun one. So. Yeah, seeing it i it takes me it takes sometimes it takes me forever to see certain movies that everyone else is like because i heard about interstellar for months and months and sometimes i get a little bitter or not bitter but i get a little petty i'm like i'm just not gonna see it because everyone else is talking about it yeah that's why i didn't see inception for like 10 years i did I, I had no idea what it was about except that it had weird scenes in it and then i finally saw it and i'm like yeah it's okay yeah yeah inception inception got really big hype when it came it out did the marketing on that was insane yeah yeah bomb <laughs> yeah we all know how i feel about the bomb yeah yeah Stop the bomb the bomb became a, a meme basically just stop yeah. using it my eardrums yeah. can't handle it anymore yeah, I know. yeah at some point i think we'll have to review tenant and tenant tenant is like tenant is basically <laughs> they basically took the bomb and they just went to put it up to an 11 on some scenes <laughs> you're trying to hurt me i think you're trying to hurt me with the bomb curse over no one man i know yeah. you think he like, plays that till i fall asleep like he needs <laughs> to hear it he'll, or he'll we'll need hans Zimmer to like play it live for him he's like yeah. mom will you play the bomb for me <laughs> and that's how he sounds too I can't sleep <laughs> yeah I kind of forgot if he was British or not so I was like yeah it's probably safe but it's a- so weird he's like half and half but he's I think he I think he's a, I think he's a Brit I think he identifies as a Brit <laughs> he identifies as being British <laughs> yeah he has that British sensibility I think yeah uh, I think I saw him on set once on like a, a, a set picture of him on the set of um one of the Batman movies and he like goes to work in like a suit and tie or something oh yeah yeah he actually someone someone told me that he'll even he does everything in a suit and tie he'll even write a script he'll like get dressed in a suit and tie and he'll go and write yeah whatever your method is man Mm -hmm. if it works it works yeah definitely works for him he's very proper 
Papa. Men, men is maketh man, as they say. <laughs> yes, yes, they do. <laughs> All right, cool. Um, well, yeah. Um, thanks a lot again, everybody. And uh, take care. May the force be with you. Live long and prosper.